0: Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and with the Pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. God bless you, everyone. You may be seated here in this building tonight because I'm going to talk to you just for a little bit about Jesus being the true light, and I'm going to tie it into our our, our Christmas season. And um, I, I believe I was uh, told you on Sunday. That uh, I've been saying uh, To the people of God Those who believe That uh, when you have faith You should count it as a gift When you have, when you have faith uh, The Bible says that God has given unto every man The measure of faith But everyone doesn't experience faith In the same way um, they, You can have a measure of faith but to, but to know your faith And to make faith the central part of your life If, if, if you can believe when other people are just trying to reason if you can believe no matter what your emotions are trying to tell you you should count that as a gift because everybody doesn't live that way as a matter of fact, our faith causes us to sometimes not be totally understood by those who don't have it it is, it is my belief that truth is objective but faith is subjective that means faith is real to the people that possess it uh, when you have faith and when you live by faith, it's not, it's not always easy for other people to understand it if they are not a person of faith. Because uh, faith causes you to get together with other people of faith. Uh, Faith causes you, like uh, Pastor Mel said when he was standing up here, like I just I want to be in the place and I want to be in the right place. And and some people don't even know what a a midweek service is. Some people don't know what it means to, to have a desire to be in the house of God. If you have faith, you should count it as a gift. And not only if you have faith, but if you have the ability to hear God. If you have the ability to hear God, then you should count that as a gift. Because the Bible says that, uh, that there are people that have ears, but they don't hear. And so Jesus said that my sheep know my voice. And another one they won't follow. So if you are one of His sheep, and and uh, I, I know that there are some people that are get uncomfortable if they're not initiated into the things of God, because they sometimes think that when well, we talk about hearing God or that God is talking to us, uh, the only concept that they have of that is they think that we're all hearing audible voices, or or you know that it gets spooky to them. But it's not spooky to hear from God. It should be second nature for you to hear from God. Because God speaks to us in many ways God speaks to us in situation God speaks to us through revelation God speaks to us through preachers and teachers God speaks to us through music God speaks to us through our children God speaks to us in, in all kinds of ways If you have an ear to hear God has a way of getting his word to you If you have an ear to hear So if you have faith And you have the ability to hear You ought to count that as a gift Have you ever heard God speak to you? Wave at me. You know, I don't know what that means to you or how how it comes to you, whether you feel it, whether you hear it, whether you sense it, whether you dream it, or however it comes to you. But if God has ever spoken to you and you know it, you know that nobody can talk you out of what nobody talked you into. So if you have faith and if you can hear, you should count that as a gift. Also, then I like to say, if if you can feel it, if you can feel it, if you can feel it. You should count that as a gift. Uh, Because serving God is not just principles And it's not behavior modification Serving God gives you the ability to feel it And I I know that that too is a a term That's different for different people Because we feel it in different ways At different times and at different levels Based on the intensities of the moment Based on whatever is going on And some people when they sense the presence of God Or they feel the presence of God They get goosebumps And some people cry easy And some people go to running into stuff And some people you know you have to get around them in a circle and hold them up but whatever it is that if you can feel it if you can feel it i don't want to go to church and not be able to feel it you know and we don't live by feelings but sometimes the word feel we use is is a is more of a colloquial term than using the word discernment in other words if you can discern the presence of god if you are aware if you are awake to it being asleep means you are unconscious to something but when he wakes you up and on the inside of you every so often you can feel it and i believe you ought to go to church with people who can feel it i want to be around singers who sing till they feel it i want to preach till i feel it and i don't know what feeling feels like to you but i'm glad that the old saints used to say you don't live by feelings but i wouldn't serve a god i couldn't feel sometimes <laughs> and so I'm glad that I can feel it. Anybody feel it in the house right here? And so then, then I believe that, that that you should count that as a gift, but also that if you have sight, if you can see spiritually. And I'm very careful, as I was telling you on Sunday, when I say that you have spiritual sight, is because uh, it's not natural sight. Whether, whether your eyesight is good or bad, or you have prescriptions and, and different varying uh, abilities of, of sight... Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to see that God is up to something. Oh, yes. That vision. And this is, this is why it is important for us to walk in the light. Being in the dark. Yes. Being in the dark means you don't have the ability to see what is around you. And so it was in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And darkness was on the face of the deep. The first thing that we hear that God says to all of the universe is, Let there be light. So it tells me that the quality of light is an undeniable essential element to who God is. Where God is, there is light, He is the Father of light. He he surrounds us with light. He calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so when we live our life outside of the will of God, uh, uh, alienated from what Jesus did for us, then we live our life really unconscious to the purpose and the plans that God has for us. Have you ever thought to yourself sometimes how people even get through life without serving Jesus? I mean, when you're serving for a long time, you think to yourself, how do people move through the world without acknowledging God? How do people survive the tough things of life and they don't have a God to talk to? How how do you make it through all the vicissitudes of life and the ups and downs and the hills and valleys? How do you get through that and you don't ever feel that God is with you? You can go through a valley of the shadow of death. You can go through temporary layoffs. You can go through downturns. You can go through all kinds of situations in life. But when you know God is with you, when you know that God hears you, then you know you're going to be all right. Somebody shout, I am going to be all right. In case nobody told you, you are a mountain mover. You are a newsmaker. You're a game changer. You're a history maker. You're a barrier breaker. A ceiling shatterer. You are, yes you are. And this is what God has put on the inside of you. And you know these things because you have the ability to see that God is at work. Isn't it interesting when you can see that God is at work and you really still don't know what he's doing? But at least you can see. That God is doing something. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this because I'm, I'm fascinated about this thing about God and light. Because when he speaks this into creation, um, light is one of the essential elements that's needed for life. But it also has an effect upon everything that is. Light affects everything. Um, some people that are not from the north or the midwest think that our leaves turn colors because it gets cold but leaves don't turn colors because they get cold leaves turn colors because of the amount of light that they get photosynthesis is caused by light and when you have less light then the leaves turn colors some people think that animals get a winter coat because it gets cold but they don't they get a winter coat because they get less light. it is the less light that is the indication That cold weather is on the way, and so they they produce a winter coat, getting them ready for the winter. Yes, and uh, the birds don't fly south because it gets cold. They fly south because it gets dark. Oh my goodness! Some people, when it gets cold and dark, they'll go all the way to Africa. I mean, they just they just leave you. I'm having a little bit of fun with it because when I was in South Africa a while back, it was 100 U.S. Fahrenheit. It was 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and I came back, it was snow on the ground. Anyway, so praise the Lord. But, anyhow, but, but light affects everything, light affects your mood. The, the, the thing that is, that is the, the, a bit uh, troubling for me uh, in the wintertime is not always just the cold, it's the fact it gets dark so early. It gets dark so early, and Kathy and I were at the house the other day, and we were doing something, and it was only like 7 or 7.30. I said, well, I guess it's time for bed or something. Like that. I thought it was 10 o'clock at night. It, it was only like seven, 7.30. But, uh, but, but the vitamin D, a, a lot of times in, in the wintertime, you can supplement what you, what you have with vitamin D because vitamin D is what you get from lights. And then if you don't have a lot of vitamin D, then you can, you can feel a little down. And, uh, people sometimes get, uh, battle with seasonal depression disorder, which is a result of not having enough light. I'm fascinated with this thing about light because God is a God of light. And you find out that when Moses gets into the presence of God, it makes him shine. His hair turns white and his face begin to shine, which reminded me of Stephen when Stephen preached his message in front of the Sanhedrin and they went to stone him and he saw Jesus standing. At the right hand of God, it said that his face began to shine. That when angels show up, there's light around them. This, this is the thing. And, and, and the thing about light, let me show you a scripture. This is uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 14 and 15 read like this. Because when God, after he said, let there be light. Then it says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Now this is interesting because, uh, because these I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to this understanding of light, greater light, sun, lesser light, moon. All of the lights, which are the stars in the heavens for days and seasons and times, all of those things, uh, all, all of these lights are interesting, but John tells us that there is a true light. Whatever you think about the sun and its impact upon the universe, the stars and its impact upon the universe, whatever you think about all of that, that there is a true light that is Jesus, who is the true light, who lights every man, who comes into the world. And you can't live without the true light. And I, I want to read this to you because I, I know you all might have th- th- thought I forgot my Christmas story. But I haven't forgot it. Because I want to read out of Matthew chapter 2. And, I'm gonna, and I'm, then I'm going to tie it all together. I'm going to tie it all together. And then you all going to help us clean up this sanctuary and get ready for tomorrow. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod, I'm going to read about 10 verses, all right? I said, I'm going to read about 10 verses. You're in church. We should read Bible verses in church. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, underline that if you want to, wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah? Um, For out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, What time did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The true light, the true light. This is this is this is an interesting story uh, that sometimes is uh, misunderstood um, because because of the 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 mix up in language and in culture. Then there are these wise men. The the Greek for wise men really is magi. Uh, where magi is where we get the word magician from or magic from. The reason this is hard for us to understand is because those words did not mean the same thing as they mean now. So in, in the early times, people who were able to understand things or to work on things were sometimes referred to as magi, but they were not the same thing as spiritual sorcerers. Sometimes people that were chemists were closely linked with alchemists an alchemist is someone who tries to take one thing and through incantations and potions turn it into another thing historically they were trying to turn everything into gold that's what an alchemist was but a chemist was one who was really a scientist but they sometimes were referred to similarly which makes it hard for us to understand are y'all alright with this so far i'm trying to get you to understand this because the question is what would cause these magi's, these uh, the, these people who were wise men, who who were had some kind of understanding, what would cause them to know that they should look for this star? Let me work this out because I don't want you to get this confused with astrology. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But in the early days, we understand if you go into the book of Daniel, you will find out that, there were, that the king had these wise men. Some of them were referred to as sorcerers. They would interpret dreams. Some of them were referred to as astrologers. But, the, but in that time, the astrologers were not necessarily the same thing as people who get into astrology today. They were people who looked to the heavens to determine, because of Genesis, the times, the seasons, the days, and the years. They understood that the heavens are the most perfect timepiece. And so when, in the absence of movable clocks, nobody had a clock. In the absence of any of that, to tell times and seasons, they were able to determine times and seasons by observing the stars, which is not the same thing as worshipping the stars, and it's not the same thing as your life being dictated to by what zodiac, Astrological sign You were born under I I don't want to bog down on this I'm just trying to get you to understand That when you go to the book of Daniel You find out that the king Had wise men Magi And the magis Were good in math They were good in science They were good in all of these studies We know this right We know this because Daniel refused the king's meat, refused the king's wine, and he ate only um, like fruits and vegetables. It's what we're going to do after the first year. We're going to do a Daniel fast. That's where it comes from. We're going to do 21 days on a Daniel fast for everybody that wants to and repent over Thanksgiving. And, and so, so, so this is where we get the understanding that he ate no pleasant bread. And, and he put himself on this own diet, if I can say it that way. Not to lose weight, but to be disciplined. And after ten days, in the book of Daniel, when they came back to check on the, Daniel and his buddies, they said that they were ten times better. No, you didn't hear me. Ten times better than his mathematicians, than his sorcerers. Then his astrologers, then all of his scientists and all of his chemists, he found them ten times better. Put your hand on yourself and say, I'm getting better. Say, I'm getting ten times better. And, and so, so we understand this. Here's where I'm going with this. I'm not just, I'm not just walking through this for no reason. I'm trying to get you to see something that, that Daniel did not refuse to be known amongst the number of the wise men. He held true to God, but he did not count it like something that he didn't want to be included in. And the wise men were glad to have Daniel included. Because Nebuchadnezzar comes one day, and he says, I have a dream, and nobody, and I don't think anybody can interpret the dream, and you got to know, you got to know this, is this, this was a tough one. He said, I'm not going to give you the dream. And then you interpret it. He said, we're going to find out who's really got something. He said, you're going to tell me what my dream was. And then you can interpret it. That's pretty deep. And so all the wise men. Being wise. <laughs> said, let's go get Daniel. And so they went and got Daniel. And Daniel then gives us the key to what makes him. This is Daniel chapter 2 I'm talking about. Daniel, Daniel begins to tell before Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't take the wisdom as his own thing. He says, The God of heaven reveals secrets. The God of heaven puts one up and raises, puts one up and brings another one down. The God of heaven has anointed me. God of heaven can do this. So they begin to realize, oh, I'm getting ready to show you something. They begin to realize that Daniel was not just a smart guy, Daniel was not just good with numbers. Daniel wasn't just good at chemistry Daniel wasn't just good with verbal skills Daniel had access to a realm Of an understanding where light would shine And you could see what other people couldn't see And you could do what other people couldn't do They understood Daniel to have a prophetic anointing That was in him The reason that this is important Is because Daniel is the guy that prophesied In the presence of the wise men The magic of that day He prophesied in their hearing That there was going to be 70 weeks And there was going to be 70 s- sevens in a row In other words One seven is a week But a week of years You understand That, 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 that seven Seventy sevens Seventy Seven weeks Of years Four hundred and ninety years all right. Daniel begins to prophesy that after 490 years, 77s, yeah, that there is going to come the true light, and the true light is going to come. And it won't be John because he is not that light. He came to bear witness of that light. But the God who spoke in the beginning, let there be lights. And then in verses 14 and 15, put the luminaries in the firmament so that you would understand days and times and seasons and years. And the people who understood how to look into the stars and to determine the months and the days and the years heard a prophecy from a man named Daniel. And Daniel said you better start counting Because 490 years from now 77's from now There is coming some Who's going to be known as the bright and morning star And when when you hear these words You need to pass them on to your children And pass them on to your children's children And pass them on down to your children's children's children Because 490 years from now Just as sure as I'm standing here Interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream The true light Is coming into the world I need somebody to put your Holy Ghost hands together I need somebody that has a praise I'm giving you just a little Bible lesson right here Because you have to understand what 70 is Yes, You have to understand that 70 Is the number of people That went into egypt as a family yes abraham's family went into egypt as as 70 people and came out a great nation 70 is the number of nations it means that all nations are 100 percent forgiven when they asked jesus how many times do we have to forgive do we have to forgive seven times jesus said no seven times 70 because that means everything is totally forgiven for all the nations and so when daniel receives the prophecy that 770s, that means that God is going to do something that will cause all nations to be able to be forgiven because I'm going to shine a light into the darkness and the darkness will not be able to put it out. Herod can't put it out. Pharaoh couldn't put it out. Satan couldn't put it out. I'm going to shine a light into the darkness. You may know somebody that's sitting in darkness today. But I tell you that there's a bright light shining. There's a light shining into the north and the south and the east and the west there's a light shining into prison cells there's a light shining in the hospital rooms there's a light shining into the courthouses there's a light shining into the schoolhouses there's a light shining into crack houses there's a light shining into the white houses there's a light shining, every place you can think of let that light shine let that light shine let the light shine let the light shine Somebody shout, let that light shine. there's a light that is shining there's a light that is shining but I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm getting excited because I preach like I feel it oh my God I count it as a blessing to be able to read the Bible and feel something I count it as a gift to be able to talk about the goodness of God and something down in my soul goes to moving I'm glad on a Thursday night I'm not sitting up in a hospital bed somewhere I'm glad on a Thursday night that I have my freedom and use of my mind I'm glad on a Thursday night uh, that I can get together with some other people who can feel something somewhere down in their soul. Somebody who ain't afraid to clap every now and then. Somebody who ain't afraid to say hallelujah and yes. Somebody says it's Thursday night and everything is alright and ain't nobody mad, sad, or looking bad but the devil. Woo! Let that light shine. Anyway, 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 so the Magi, the Magi of Nebuchadnezzar, who heard from Daniel, began to pass it down. And they made, they, they made note, would be, would be the, uh, the understanding at least. Uh, commonly believed that they would have made note and marked the sky. Because they knew 490 years which by the way is the time that Jesus was born it was Daniel's, Jesus is Daniel's 70th week And uh, when When that time came Generations after Nebuchadnezzar's Magi Over here in Babylon <laughs> Keeping their eye on the sky They saw a star They had never seen and they said, that's it right there. And they got up. The Bible never tells us it's three wise men. It just says wise men. But the but, uh, common tradition was it was probably 12 of them. But anyway, that's not the point. But the point is they got up and they followed the star. God put stars there for days and seasons and times and years. And they knew. That that light in that sky meant that a true light had come. And they got up and followed that star. Now now don't get it confused. they did not show up at Jesus' birth. Jesus was born in a manger. And the shepherds here we go. Now I'm going to the other side now. The shepherds were there at His birth. Now you got the magi. the magi are high guys. You understand that high-level people, they work for the king. The king takes counsel from them. He trusts them. They, 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 they serve in the palace. The shepherds now are on the other side. I'm going to make a point. The shepherds are on the other side. The shepherds are the low level. They were considered not to be valuable, not to be worth that much. They were generally the lowest in the economic food chain. But while the high level guys are following a high level star... Then the low-level guys are watching low-level sheep in a field by night. And it's only the second time in the entire Bible that a group of angels show up together. Almost every time an angel shows up in the Bible, they show up by themselves because it only takes one to do a whole lot. But this time, while the shepherds were giving, watching their sheep by night... There came a group of angels and the glory of God shone all around them. And they begin to say, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And they told them, they said, there's a baby born in a manger. And they said, we're not too high level to go to a manger. Because if he's if he's going to be a lamb, he might as well be born in a manger. If Jesus is going to be a lamb, you need to have some shepherds there when he's born. And so the shepherds show up at his birth. But the, but the guys from the east are still walking. We, we, we would guess or deduce through scripture that they probably don't get there till Jesus is about two years old. It's a long walk. And they're following this star because we do understand if we, if we reread Matthew that it says that when they got to the house where he was at by the time the magi get there he's no longer in a manger he done moved on up with the jeffersons to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky and he and he's over there in a house now and so when the magi get there they run into herod i'm almost done with this they run into herod you got to understand the people of the story Herod made himself king of the Jews. Herod was not a Jew. Herod adopted Judaism to please the Jews. And the Romans made Herod king of the Jews so that he had their favor. So he rebuilt their temple that we call Herod's temple. And so he thought he was the king of the Jews. That's why it says that when they asked Herod, where is he who is born king of the Jews, it troubled Herod and all of Jerusalem with him. It made him mad because he had also heard the prophecies uh, that there was coming a true light. And when you're the false light, you don't get too excited when the true light shows up. And Herod was troubled. He was upset. And when it says all of Jerusalem with him, it's because whenever a bad king would get upset, he caused the whole city to be upset. Herod was such a bad guy that when he died, they killed a bunch of other people, so it would be people crying at his funeral so they wouldn't be laughing because everybody wanted him dead. That's how they did things. And so he played, he played a little game with the with the magi. And he said to them, I want you to go find him. And then come back and tell me where he is, so I can come worship him. He had no intent on worshipping him That's why he asked them when watch me when did you see the star Because he has some people that can count backward and figure out the age of the child And when they told him when they saw the star Herod said I want everybody every male two years younger to be killed because I'm counting back and I'm not going to miss him and so he but, but before he said that he had told those guys he said I want you to go and find him and then come back and tell me where he's at so I can worship him let me tell you something don't mess with magi because they didn't get there by letting silly people lie to them they go and worship jesus and then it says and being warned in a dream oh my god if you can feel it if you have faith if you can hear god and you can see what's going on you should count it as a gift and they saw a star because they felt it on the inside of them and they could hear and they could feel and they got there and then they said so they, they just they went back home another way Last part of the message is coming at you right now. When they got there, one of the things that makes them wise is that they did not come empty-handed. Before they ever left, on however long of a journey it was, months perhaps, before they left, can you imagine the faith that it takes to say, we're going to find the king, the true light. We got a little light up here in the sky telling us that the true light has come and we're going to find him. And when we get there, we're not going to show up empty. So we're going to all, we're going to prepare to bring some stuff with us because we're coming to worship him and to honor God for sending the word who was in the beginning. With God, who was God, who was in the beginning with God, who all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna honor this thing that goes all the way back that our forefathers told us that Daniel had prophesied about. And when they got there, they brought gold. Gold. Gold is the gift that you give to a king. They recognized the fact that even though he was a babe, toddler, they recognized that this is the true light. This is the king. And they brought gold to him. I just want to remind you that whenever you give anything into The hands of God, whenever you sow a seed, whenever you pay tithe, whenever you throw an offering into a bucket, whenever you get on your phone and you sow something that you're giving, you're not just doing that for other reasons. you got to remember that you're doing it to honor God for sending his true light. And gold is always a gift that we give to a king. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. They recognized him as king and they brought him gold. And they also brought with them frankincense. Frankincense speaks of his priestly ministry. Because frankincense is, what is it that we call it? When you, like, incense, thank you. It's, it's an incense, and it, and it goes up like worship. It goes up and it speaks of prayer. It goes up and it speaks of Jesus' priestly ministry. So not only is he a king, but he's a priest. And they understood this coming into the situation so they brought him gold to celebrate him as a king and they brought frankincense the incense that would rise and smell fragrant to testify of his priestly ministry can i tell you that when you come into the house of god ah, for, for that matter in your own house in your own car in your own shower wherever you are when you lift up a prayer when you lift up worship when you lift up any kind of frankincense, then you begin to exercise your priestly ministry as well. And you begin to recognize his priestly ministry because he is the high priest who stands before God breaking down the voice of the accuser who accuses you before God day and night. But there's the voice of the intercessor that stands before God. And so Jesus now is that high priest as well. And then they bring him myrrh. They bring him myrrh. And the myrrh, Then is an embalming fluid. It's what they used when they were, when someone had died and they were going to embalm them. Then they would use myrrh. Can you imagine the revelation that these men must have had? That at the time that they show up, they bring the gold to recognize his lordship. They bring the frankincense to recognize his priestly ministry. And they bring the myrrh to know that he came to give his life for all of mankind. And they came into the house where he was. And being warned in a dream, they did not go back to hear it. And they went home another way. A couple things, and now I'm done. One thing is that, there has, that deliverance sometimes is a messy business. Herod repeats what Pharaoh did that when a deliverer is being born, the one who doesn't want the light to shine will try to put the light out. But Pharaoh couldn't put it out. And now John tells us that the light shined into the darkness, <laughs> and the darkness could not put it out. And all kinds of children were harmed and killed. Families were. In horrendous situations, but Jesus was able to escape because his family took him into Egypt. It makes me think that anytime something big is about to be born, the enemy will seek to kill it early on. I believe if we count the number of abortions... That happen in our nation It is the indication That deliverers are about to be born And answers are coming into the world And we need to let that Pharaoh spirit And that Herod spirit To know that you are not going to put out the lights That God is sending into the world And we call them down out of the heavens And tell them to loose God's people and let them go Somebody say something in here The other thing that I always find is interesting is that um, Jesus was supporting his whole family when he was two years old. I always think that's interesting because they were told to get up and go, and um, Jesus was the only one who would go. And frankincense and myrrh. And Joseph probably, I'm out here on my own now, I'm not in the Bible at the moment, I'm out here in my own imagination, but I'm saying, I'm guessing Joseph said, we'll get this back to you later, we need to use this. We're going to Egypt, we've got to have some place to be. I don't know how it all worked out, but I know that them, them wise men brought a lot of it, because tradition would tell you that if you go to see a king, you ain't, you ain't bringing like a pocket full of gold, they were bringing camels. And they brought camels of gold and Jesus was supporting his entire family. Well, you know what that tells me is that Jesus still supports his family. Hallelujah. He is the Lord who supports us. He is the Lord who blesses us. He is the Lord who heals us and he is the Lord who delivers us. I came here tonight just to remind you that Jesus is the true light. He is the true light. He will never lead you into the dark. He will never leave you in the dark. He will never keep you in the dark. He is shining a light all the way around you. Everybody stand up, clap your hands. One time I wanted to preach a little Christmas message for you tonight. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.